The following sermon was delivered by Rev. Laurel Gray at the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. Okay, tis time. So what is Unitarian Universalism, right? Good question. So in your handy dandy workbook, so inside we have the Unitarians and we have the Universalists and on the back, we have merger and modern Unitarian Universalism. So we're gonna go through this together. Um, and I invite you to ask questions too. Um, this is not, we're recording it because it's not fully scripted, right? Because the idea is sort of, we're working on collectively telling our story together this morning. So. We're going to start with the Unitarians. The Unitarians and Universalists were actually started at the same time. They were sort of both things that were out there. Um, and they actually, this we're talking about American Unitarian Universalism, but there are international versions too, right? Like the first conversations that these that became Unitarianism and became Universalism, like those debates have been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years beyond just what became our tradition. So this morning, in Ari, we were talking about how some people have two last names, right? Because sometimes your two parents decide to merge their names when they get married instead of just choosing one. So that similarly is how we got Unitarian Universalism, right? Because these two different organizations joined at a certain point, and instead of saying, well, we're gonna pick one, right? We're gonna sort of consume one, and that's not how marriage works, but like, you know, we're not gonna absorb one organization into another, we're gonna marry them together, which is how we get this super long name. But it means we have two historical traditions that are part of this sort of, um, I don't know, tapestry that we have become. So we're gonna start with the Unitarians just because we say their name first. So the word Unitarian was originally meant as in insults. Do we know why? What was the accusation? You're a Unitarian. Right, you don't believe in the Trinity. So you, that means you're not a good enough Trinitarian, right? So mean. <laughs> because the idea of the Trinity, right, is a Christian idea of the Father, the Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit. So three, right? And they were calling them Unitarians because those wily Harvard intellectuals, right, we're saying like, is Jesus God or more like a prophet, right? Or like a really good guy? Open for debate, right? So this was part of this, what's called the Unitarian controversy. Okay, did I give you all the answers? <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and so then a certain Ralph Waldo Emerson, right? gave a talk, do we know what this talk was? Called the Divinity School Address. No, yeah, you, it's okay, that's, I'm here to help, right? Um, and he was making this argument, right? He was saying like, mm, Jesus, God, mm, I don't know about that. Um, he also, fun fact, called all the other ministers really boring preachers <laughs> in this, yeah. Emerson was a really good preacher and a very awkward human. It was like really terrible social skills. Um, so, but this is where the sort of word Unitarian came from. And this, this disagreement, like, because one of the age old questions is, 
are Unitarians Christian? That was like where the fight started, right? That, that was the disagreement was, are they good enough Christians or are they not really Christians? Um, okay, so <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson's friend, Henry Thoreau, um, were big fans of what body of water? Walden Pond. Um, and so they were known as the transcendentalists, right? Because of this idea that you could experience wonder and awe and sacredness and all this like amazing transcendent stuff, right? You could experience that outdoors, right? Which this is actually a new wild concept because to say that like anyone can go outside and be like, wow, right? That means that you don't need a Bible, which was before that was like, right? This is early New England, right? This is Puritans, right? Like you better sit in that hard pew and listen to the minister yell at you, right? That's what we're talking about here, right? That was the context was this like really angry preacher who preached for like four hours and they had sticks that they would come around and like whack you in church if you fell asleep. It's true. They, yeah. <laughs> the Concord congregation where I did my training still has, they don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> but they do still have the stick. Did I, okay, let's see if I see if I answered all the questions. Okay, so fun fact, which I find highly entertaining, because when people think about the uh, nature writers and transcendentalists, I think there's this like pure purity idea of like they were out in the wild, surviving on nothing. So Henry's mom would bring him donuts every week. <laughs> And if you've been to Walden Pond and to Concord, you can walk that, right? So he could just like mosey into town whenever he wanted to. So like, let's remove any ideas of moral purity here, right? This is like, what? Right, yeah, he was not alone, right? He was having a beautiful outdoor experience, but he was not like alone fully. Um, he was also the heir to a what kind of empire? Does anyone know this? A pencil empire. Somebody said it. Yes. He was the heir to a pencil empire, which is kind of appropriate since he was a writer. But anyways. <laughs> um, okay. So this was the, the early Unitarians, right? We have this idea of like, mm, Trinity, questionable, Jesus. We have, you know, we're okay with him, but like, is he God? Mm, not sure. Um, and then this idea that anyone could go outside and, you know, experience this amazing, awesome, transcendent experience of some, they would call that a relationship with God, right? Like you can have that experience directly. You don't need me wandering into the woods with you to be like, now is the moment, right? Like this one, this, this feeling, can, I'm sorry, it counts, right? Um, so can we think about how that sort of turns into modern Unitarian Universalism, right? So what's one of the things that you find mo most noteworthy about this place? Like if you're gonna do the sort of little pitch to your friends and you say like, they're nice and what normally comes next? They don't tell you what, okay. So can we see where that maybe came from this Unitarian like, maybe there are a lot of ways, right? Maybe it's not just the Bible. Maybe there are a lot of ways to think about what's meaningful, to think about what's transcendent, to think about what's sacred. So we can see where sort of as we weave towards the future, right, we can see where these 
threads of history come in, right? You can also think about like, we care about justice and interdependence and our seventh principle about the interdependent web is often considered like the nature principle. And you can see where that's like, this isn't new. This like, we care about the web of existence. Like that's not a new idea. Okay. Did you get all your answers? We're fully, no, what do you need? Yes. Correct. Yale was founded because Harvard was too Trinitarian, or Unitarian, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Universalism. Ready? Okay, so universalism is the idea that everyone is saved. So God doesn't cast anybody out or damn anyone to hell, right? Again, with the like scary hellfire preachers that were like, everything is horrible, right? Um, and so the core idea of universalism is love. Good idea. Um, so what the universalists were reacting to, because in this you see like in American religions, these new pop-up religions are always responding to something, right? And then like a new religion is formed because there was this new idea, right? Um, and so the universalists were also, they were also seeing these like hellfire damnation preachers and like, uh, we're not sure about that. Um, and so they were rejecting the idea of, do we know? We already know where we're going. Predestination, right. So predestination was this idea at the time because Calvinism was this religion that sort of ruled the roost at the time. So Calvinism said that God had already decided if you were going to heaven or you were going to hell and you didn't get to know or do anything about it. Right, like scary, right? <laughs> like terrible, right? And so the early universalists were like, that seems mean. Right, like that seems a little too scary. Like we've also read the Bible and there's this whole like commandment to love your neighbor. Like it seems like God really wants us to love each other. So like, we just don't think God's that mean. So that was sort of the core thing at the heart of universalism. And so the English preacher, John, do you remember? We, we've a couple times watched a Playmobil video about this story, about a guy who gets stranded like a storm strands his boat and then he goes and preaches at this empty chapel. John Murray, yeah, um, when he reached the Americas and so he was having this sort of moral crisis. He left England because he was too universalist and so he was sort of didn't fit in anymore. But he didn't know if he was really going to keep being a preacher and he sort of made this deal with God on the boat of like, okay, well, but if I like, so this guy Thomas Potter had asked him to come back and preach. And he said, like, sort of essentially, if I get stuck here, I'll do it. And then when he tried to leave, this storm came in and like washed him back up in shore. And then he was stuck there. Um, and so he fulfilled this wish of Thomas Potter, who'd built this chapel like 10 years earlier, waiting for this universalist preacher to come preach the love of God. Right? Wild. Crazy story. Um, Okay, did I give you all your answers? New Jersey, this was, I was trying to remember. Yeah, this happened in New Jersey, local. 
Okay, so, and so even at the time before merger, the Unitarians and the Universalists were already, you kind of see where they're already starting to be like in similar worlds. Like they were both reacting to this like scary hellfire damnation idea and saying like, we're not sure it's that bad, right? We're not really sold on this idea. And I'm not sure like you scary preacher person, like really are the only one to say, right? How things go. Um, and so even sort of in the 1800s and 1900s, they were having a hard time distinguishing themselves from each other and even other liberal mainline traditions that were universalist in theology, right? Saying like, everyone is sort of held within the love of God. No one has to do anything to become worthy, right? But like, we don't own that alone, right? Like I'm sure if you go to other religious institutions in town, you would also hear similar things, right? Um, and so it, it wasn't uncommon for there to be congregations that were both Unitarian and Universalist together before we actually merged into one organization. And there were even like, there were some preachers who would like switch teams, right? And switch back and forth. So we get to the 1900s. This is a fun fact I learned on Thursday, which I did not know before Thursday. So, and I think I told all of like three of you know the answer to this question. The formed in the 1940s to push for a more humanist, because again, we're having the same struggle of like, are we Christian, are we not Christian, are we Christian, are we not Christian? Um, and a less Christian form of universalism. Do we know what that organization called itself? Erin's laughing because she knows, but maybe she forgot. Colleen knows. Humiliati. The Humiliati, which is a terrible name. <laughs> yeah, the Humiliati, because they were trying to make a reference, I think, to the humanist part, but it just sounds like they go around like humiliating people. Incorrect. They were actually helpful people <laughs> with a terrible name. So the, humili the Humiliati were this group in the 1940s through the mid-1950s of universalists who were like, but if truly everyone is loved and everyone is worthy, you don't even need Christianity, right? Like you don't, that is too specific. If we're really gonna be universalists, right? Which again is where you can see modern Unitarian Universalism, again with the, they don't tell you what to believe, everyone's worthy, we're committed to justice, right? We can see where those things come from. So, the humiliati, terrible. Um, okay, so in the 1950s, they started having this conversation about how to merge, how to become one organization. So the Unitarians and the Universalists merged in what year? 1961. Yeah, I always got this wrong, which is why I put it on the sheet so I would learn it. <laughs> And so again, when they were coming together to write their core documents about this joint organization, one of the core disagreements still was over what? Whether or not they're Christian. And so in the writing of the sort of the core documents, it was the, the sort of sticking point was if it was our Judeo-Christian background or if it was like, we're just, we acknowledge that Judeo-Christian lineage exists, right? It was like, does it belong to us or does it not belong to us? Um, so what did they decide? Are Unitarian Universalists Christian? Not necessarily, right? Good answer, yeah. Or I would also take all of the above. <laughs> I didn't have enough space to write that on here, right? Because 
can you be Christian? Yeah, totally. That is totally a thing that's real. Do you have to be Christian? No. Do you have to be anything? Do you have to be kind? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so modern Unitarian Universalism is a, we learned this word in the beginning, promise making is a covenantal tradition, not a creedal tradition, right? Do you see how I wrote this with two capital U's because I think I'm funny? <laughs> um, so this, there are actually also not exactly, this is like fill in the blank of what words you prefer to use because again, I can't tell you exactly how you experience the sacred. So believing that there are many ways to experience, right, like the divine wonder, mystery, love, insert your own word there. Um, and everyone is inherently worthy. Yes, inherently worthy comes from our Unitarian and our Universalist heritage. So we can sort of see where what we are now came from these two original disagreements, right? So do we have questions thus far? Are we feeling more like, oh, I kind of, I know what's going on here. Yeah, good. What is the UUA? This came out of merger. Correct, the Unitarian Universalist Association. So we are congregational, again, with the everyone votes on the money thing. Um, and so each congregation has its own internal organization, right? So like we have our own board internal to the congregation. We vote on things. When you become a member, you get to vote on things. And so then all of the congregations together have a joint association, which helps with resource sort of funding, right? Not in a financial way necessarily, but like they control our health insurance plan for staff people. They have a lot of where we invest money because they do like very ethical investing, right? Um, when we need a consultant to come and say like, we don't know how to figure out how to do this thing. We can call the UUA and the UUA will have someone come help us, right? So it's like we all pool our resources together so that there's a really helpful main office, right? So do we know where that is located? Boston, yeah, it's in Boston. So the American Unitarian Association and the, I forget what the Universalist one was, but both of their, their main offices were in Boston. So it was simple then to say, we're gonna stay there. Um, okay, we're sort of getting into fun facts here now. The UUA got a lot of publicity in the year 1971 for publishing which document? Because we also have a publishing house. There's a hint. What has five sides? A Pentagon. The Pentagon Papers, yes. Yeah, so the UUA published the Pentagon Papers, which was sort of a cool fun fact about, you know, our Justice Wiley tendencies. Um, okay, so our current seven principles and how many sources? Six, yes. Were adopted in what year? <laughs> yeah, there are hints, right? You could guess. Who gave themselves a bad perm in this decade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 1985 was when the ones that we currently have, those were adopted. Um, so we are also a living tradition, which means that we adapt and we change, right? So these things change over time. And there is a requirement in the Constitution of the UUA that we have to go back and look at these principles and purposes and say, like, 
Is it still right? Should we update it? Should we make some changes? And so in 1985, the big change that happened then was prior to that, it was all men, right? Because of course, like the world as it was then, right? Like women were not present in any of the language. And so that was the big win in 1985 was that it previously said women and men in all the places, right? Um, so the current article two, I know this is like in the air, but I think is also still sort of amorphous to people, um, is what we're doing to, to work to update our principles and purposes, right? So article two is this big ongoing process because article two is that section of our documents that say what our core covenant is, right? That's why it's called Article Two. It's like a weird, you know, referencing the, the sort of title of the section of the document. So, do you have any questions? <laughs> yes. Update our principles and purposes. Yeah. Okay, so. This service, because I asked so many questions, is running really long. So I'm going to, there's the second page, which is all about you writing your elevator pitch. Siri doesn't know what I'm talking about. So I was gonna give you time in the service, but then we would be here for a really long time. So I'm gonna invite you to take this home and really think about it, right? Like, how would you talk about this thing, right? You have a lot of information now and you don't need to like read this to someone, right? To be like, well, but now you have some information in your back pocket to say like, oh, I kind of, I can think about like, if someone says like, you go to church, like, I don't want to get told what to believe. Like you have some background information to say like, well, okay, we don't, right, we don't do that because we're a covenantal tradition because universalism says that you don't have to believe anything to do anything to be worthy so we're not there are no conditions here right so there's some sort of you got some info in your pocket so and likewise if now you're like i want you to do a whole service on the humiliati i don't know if i could do that i don't know that much about that <laughs> right but that's this is what this is for like are you now like i don't know you really want to hear about insert whatever thing that you now feel really curious about. Um, and then you can give this back to me either after the service or any time in the future. So, did we do it? Do you feel so informed? Okay. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome.